Well, good morning, Grace Hill. Uh, what a what a joy to be with you. What what a joy to be made fun of right off the bat. I'm um, I'm, I'm feeling the love from my, my man Alan. Uh, but I, he he said we talked about. It. I walked in to the 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 the. The gathering this morning with the group of the guys, and I think everybody's eyes were wide, as maybe yours are too, looking at a shirt like this. But look, you don't wear a shirt like this and don't expect to get made fun of a little bit. But um, in all seriousness, it is really a joy to be with you this morning. And as Alan and Nick and all the staff here at Grace Hill say week after week, uh, I know they long to be in person in physical proximity to one another and, and I do as well I, I I wish I could be with you as well it's hard to it's just hard to preach to a camera um, but I know that there are brothers and sisters on the other end of this this morning who are grabbing their coffee have their kids up maybe on the couch or running around a little bit it's a little chaotic you may be cleaning you may be doing who knows what you're doing but you're tuned in. And so I know on behalf of Alan and Nick and, and the leadership here, we just want to extend a thank you for inviting us into your home this Sunday morning. Uh, I, I am excited to be able to, to preach this week and, and to be able to land the plane, so to speak, as Alan said, on the Healthy Soul series. And, and so um, I, if, if you were in person, I would give you the opportunity. This would have been an amazing thing to do. You would maybe not get this any other time. Is to be able to honestly, I could ask you, hey, how's it been? Nick's not up here preaching. Alan's not right here. You could have told me anything you wanted to say. You could finally have been honest, right, when Alan shaved his head off. Like, you could have been, why did he do that? Or, or when he sat down in the, on the seat last week. You're like, that was weird, bro. Or maybe you liked it. I don't know. You could have just been really honest with me. But all kidding aside, all kidding aside, I know that the sincere desire of this series has been to see God reorient our minds and reorient our hearts around what it means to be healthy souls. And so I hope that this past several weeks from Alan and Nick teaching and, and leading you guys from God's Word, I, I hope and pray that uh, God has been at work in your life, that the Holy Spirit has been moving and shaping and conforming you and, and pruning you and, and guiding you in ways that maybe you have never been guided and lived ever. And so I know that that's a sincere hope. And so you looked at what it means to abide in Jesus. You looked at pace, how to create healthy space within your lives. You looked at meaningful presence with God. And then last week, as Alan already said, he, you guys looked at what does it mean to rest? And so this week, we're going to close with friendship, friends. What does it look like to have friends in order to have healthy souls? And, and some people may be kind of thinking, man, that's an interesting way to kind of lay in the plane. Friends, all of these other things have been these really in, in, incredibly individual uh, between you and God yourself. You know, uh, what does it mean to abide in Jesus? Um, pace and, and meaningful presence with, with God this way. You know, there's just this very vertical component, you and the Lord. And so this week, I think the reason why we want to look at friendship is because all of the things that you have walked through these past several weeks, the pursuits of abiding and having meaningful presence and finding a rhythm in your life that's healthy and finding rest, all of those things need friendships. All of those things need friendships. And they need those in order to survive, and not just survive, but to be able to thrive. Jesus has said he's come to give you and me life, and life abundantly. And I think sometimes that may be hard for some of us 
to believe when we look at the circumstances around us, when we look at the own junk in our own lives. But friendships are such a gift. And, and let me just say this. I, was, I want to start with this. This is a topic for me personally. And I can speak for my family as well. This is a topic that has been, and, and, and I'm, I'm blowing no smoke at you this morning. This topic has been one of the single greatest means of grace that I and my family have experienced in following Jesus. So I am speaking on something that has had such a tremendous impact on me. I want to be careful, but I I would even say, I would be, this is the single way that I have seen Jesus's faithfulness, his grace, and his mercy. And so I, I, I am, I am, I'm so grateful for relationships. And some of these relationships are ones I have. Alan and his family are, are such dear friends to me. Uh, and I know for you guys. And there's other families. And so I, I am, I'm really excited to be able to speak on this this morning. And so let me do this. Let me just pray. And then let's just jump into what is friendship. Father God, I, I do. I just, I just pray. I just simply come to you and ask God that this morning that you through your Holy Spirit as your word goes out, Father, that you would conform and transform us more and more into the image of Jesus. And specifically today that you would conform us more into the image of how Jesus has modeled friendship to us as his people and how then, Father, on a horizontal level that we then practically live that out in, in, in relationship with one another. And so, God, I, I know that this has some landmines in it for some of us here. And already the topic of friendship just, just is, is loaded, God. And from whatever context we're coming from, good, bad, maybe even just indifferent. And so, Lord, uh, Holy Spirit, move. Uh, Father, I pray that I would be faithful to your word, but whatever I say that's unhelpful, Lord, would you help people just forget it? But, Lord, would your word, the, the, the truth of what I have to say, Lord, would that stick? And Lord, we just, we just thank you that your word uh, does not return void. And so Lord, we, we count on that this morning. In the precious and powerful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So what I hope to do this morning is just this very simply. I hope to lay out just a, a biblical understanding of what biblical friendship is. So instead of a broad brush, I, my hope is, is that we can have a very specific Uh, look at what does it mean to have biblical friendship. And the reason why I say that this morning is because all of us have a context that we live in. We we live in a culture where I believe, and and maybe you would agree with this, I believe that it it is difficult to form deep relationships because we live in a culture that, that sees so many other things as, as, as imp- more important than how we do our one-on-one relationships with, with other people. And so w- I hope as well, even in the midst of the challenges that we live in, that it's worth it because in order for our souls to be healthy, we'll see we need these deep biblical friendships. Look, we've got Facebook, we've got Instagram, we've got LinkedIn, we've got, I don't even know, we've got thousands of others, social media platforms. And I promise you from the get-go, this will not be a diatribe against any of these things. I'm simply saying we are formed. We, we live in a culture and a society where, where we think about friendship and connectivity in ways that, that are, are, are shaped by Facebook and friends. And we have little things that we can just click and say, now, now we're friends, right? What, what does that mean, right? And some of us 
um, uh, can get really jaded by these things. And so um, I just want us to have a realistic view of where we're coming from, from our culture, and then where we need to look and maybe clean our lenses off a little bit. I look at God's word with this. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk through three marks of biblical friendship. Three marks. And those are going to be this. Intimacy, consistency, and care. And through the lens of the scriptures, we're going to see that when applied in these ways, with intimacy, consistency, and care, that we will taste, listen, the psalmist says this, you can taste and see the goodness of God. And and applied in these ways, I believe, I'm telling you, I promise this is true. I have tasted it for myself. And I'm telling you that this is true, that when we seek to follow these ways to form biblical friendships with one another, that we will taste the Lord's goodness for ourselves and we will help those around us taste and see the God's goodness for them as well. And we'll see healthy souls continue to be cultivated and grown. Because here's the thing, biblical friendship is not an end in of itself. It is a means to an end. And that's really important for us. And there's something different about other friendships and biblical friendships. Instead, biblical friendship serves as a means to the end of accomplishing God's purposes for ourselves and for one another and for his whole redemptive story that is being played out before our very eyes. And so I just want to consider this question right now because you may be thinking this. You may go, is there a difference, Evan, between friendship and biblical friendship? Is this qualifier that you have here biblical? Is there a difference between these two? And I thought a lot about that this week. And I've kind of gone back and forth, but, but here's my answer to that question. Yes. I think we'll see through God's word that the distinction between friendship and biblical friendship is this, is Jesus is at the center of biblical friendships. You might go, wow, haven't you spent a week studying that? <laughs> no, but, 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 but hear me on this. He's not just merely the center. He's not just giving lip service about, I'm a Christian, you're a Christian, and so now let's just be friends. He is the reason why we do all that we do. And that is important. Now, this does not mean, and I want to be clear on this, this does not mean that you cannot have deep friendships with other people who aren't followers of Jesus. I'm simply saying the distinction is, I don't believe you can go as deep as God has intended and created our relationships with one another to go without Christ as the focus, without pursuing what it means to follow Jesus together in all of life. So, Here's the definition that I just want to give us, and then we're going to talk through those three marks together. Jonathan Holmes defines biblical friendship this way. He says, hang with me on this. Biblical friendship exists when two or more people bound together by a common faith in Jesus Christ pursue him and his kingdom with intentionality and vulnerability. Rather than serving as an end in itself, biblical friendship serves primarily to bring glory to Christ who brought us into friendship with him through the Father. He says this, it is Christian friendship, biblical friendship is indispensable to the work of the gospel on earth and an essential element of what God created us for. I love that definition. It captures so much of what we are going to see laid out in God's word. And so let's hit the first mark of what 
marks biblical friendship. And the first thing we're going to talk through is intimacy. And man, I, I don't know about you, but if, if, if just right off the bat, when I say the word intimacy, I, I think because of the culture that we are just so steeped in, it's hard not to hear intimacy and equate it to something like sex or to equate it with some physical type of relationship with another person. And, and, and see, what, what I think has been sadly happening to all of us is that our culture has said this, intimacy equals sex. But as we're going to see in scripture, that is not the only way that intimacy plays out. That isn't the sole means upon which intimacy is accomplished. And in fact, we're going to see, and you may already know this, but it's possible for a person to have a lot of sex and have no intimacy. And yet it's also true that you can have intimacy that has nothing to do with a physical relationship. So here's what I want you to do. When you think of intimacy today, think of this. Think of closeness and think of being known, like the whole person. So check this out. We're going to read in John 15, verse 15, one verse, and here's what we're going to see. We're going to see Jesus tells you and me today what biblical friendship looks like. So if you have your Bible, open it up. It's just one verse. It'll be on the screen as well. And so we're just going to read that. Listen to this as I read it out loud, and then we'll see what Jesus has to say about biblical friendship. John 15, 15 right? A lot has just happened. He's used an amazing metaphor to his disciples about teaching what it means to abide in Christ. And so then he says this, no longer do I call you servants for the servants do not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends for all I have heard from my father. I have made known to you. Jesus shows us what's in his mind when he thinks about friendship. Jesus shows us how he's going to define friendship. In fact, he's going to get ready to tell us in this whole verse who his friends are and then what that looks like. And what that looks like is opening up to you. See, friendship is intimate, not because it's sensual in nature. It is intimate because there is complete disclosure. There is nothing hidden. Everything is laid out on the table. Jesus says, right, if you look at that verse in 15, he says this. Jesus says, everything that he has heard. I mean, just, just stop right there. You got to just think about this. If you were in that context, Jesus is talking to his disciples. If Jesus, if you were right there, Jesus is saying everything. Everything. Everything he has heard from his father. And remember, our view of the Trinity is so important here because there's perfect submission, perfect love, perfect affection, perfect uh, uh, relational um, um, uh, uh, connectedness all within the Trinity, the relationship in the Trinity. And he's saying everything that he's heard from the Father, he is now making known to his friends. See, he's inviting his disciples into intimacy with him. Intimacy, and listen to this, intimacy that was previously only shared within the relationship of the Trinity. He is now opened up as his calling you friends, calling his disciples friends. He's saying, now I am making known to you everything that I already know and that I've enjoyed in this perfect relationship before I even created you. Biblical friendship is marked by intimacy and, and intimacy is scary. 
I can just feel some of you cringing. And if you were here in person, I, I could probably see some people like kind of looking down or looking away or maybe flipping through something else or just kind of going like, can we move past this mark already, bro? Like, come on, let's go. I'm uncomfortable. However, it's still true even if we struggle with intimacy. But but it makes sense though, doesn't it? I mean, just really think about that. The, the relationships or, or, or something that is meaningful to you is what? It's known. And it's either fully known or, or it, is, it is significantly known. That's why it's so meaningful to you. There's very few things in our life that we don't know much about that we care really deeply for. We can see a practical outflow of what intimacy and friendship that Jesus lays out for us looks like. When we are known, we are much more likely to be understood, aren't we? When we are known, we are able to listen much, much better, aren't we? We're not just waiting to say something. We're actually listening because the other person is meaningful and, and, and has, has deep significance to us. So what they have to say really matters. So we listen. And when we are known, we are actually able to empathize with other people and sympathize better. And when we are known, we are able to be drawn out by someone else, aren't we? And when we are known, we're able to actually be ourselves. I can wear a flower shirt, right? I can be my real self. There's no facades. There's no pretense. I'm not angling for something. I'm not jockeying for approval in one way to, and then having to tamp down who God's really made me to be in another. No, no, we are just ourselves. Masks are off. What you see is what you get. When we are known, we can have bad days and not have to always be on. How exhausting is that? We can fail at things and not risk relationships when we are known in an intimate relationship. And the other thing we can do is we can, we can share the things that are really weighing us down. We can share our struggles and our fears without risk of sacrificing an intimate relationship with another. Intimacy creates in a friendship the ability to be fully known and fully loved. Healthy souls need biblical friendships to flourish, and they need to be marked with intimacy with one another. The second mark of biblical friendship is this, it's consistency. We live in a culture that is uh, just so, um, so marked by efficiency. Uh, I mean, you guys are so successful. There's so many um, just, you know, affluent, um, just astute people, like smart uh, multitaskers who can do so many things really well and at high levels and, and can do it really fast. I'm not one of them, but there's many of you uh, out there. But here's the thing that we all like in this area. We love convenience, right? I mean, we live in Northern Virginia, so convenience is something for crying out loud that that's like the MO for us up here. We want things to be really good and we want them to be really fast. And we don't want a lot of hangups in between. In fact, we expect most things to be done the way we would want them to be done, right? If they're not done well, then we can move on to another job, right? If it's not done well, we can hire a new contractor. If it's not done the way we like it or in the way we want it done, maybe we even find other friends, right? See, we can break ties pretty easily if we don't get what we think we deserve. 
And man, that's true for me. I can see that, unfortunately, play out in times in my own life. Listen to this quote about friendship. Listen to it very carefully. A friend is often someone who meets your needs and fits into your schedule. I can cringe at that. But does it ring a little true for some of us? Does this ever become our own way of thinking? Now, we wouldn't say it like that out loud, but deep in your own heart, is this sometimes how, what can characterize your, your, your own thinking about your friendships and how we engage in our friendships? Let me ask this. How many friends would characterize you and me in this way? That they would feel more used by us than cared for. How many of us would say this? How many have been on the opposite side? How many of us, maybe you, have felt that you were merely just convenient for someone else? That, that you, were, you were simply useful for a time or for a purpose or for a vision of something rather than just for you? One pastor comments this. Many will court you while you have much to give. When you need to receive, the number of your friends will be diminished. Now that sounds really bad, doesn't it? But the rest of his quote says this. But their quality will be improved. See, what we find in biblical friendship is that they aren't defined by what they get. They're defined by what they give. And isn't that such a picture of the gospel? Isn't that undeniably a picture of the gospel? Isn't Jesus the one who said himself that I came to what? I came to serve. I came to give, not to be served, not to be, not to receive. So consistency, not convenience, is the mark of biblical friendship. Turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24. And it'll be on the screen as well. Proverbs 18, 24 says this. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. See, what's happening in this proverb here and how this relates to consistency is this. See, the proverbs here start to speak very strongly against this notion of convenient friendships. In fact, it, it actually speaks completely differently than that. It says the clear picture of biblical friendship is deep connectedness and constancy. Deep connectedness and constancy. There is a consistency within friendship that Proverbs is saying that sticks, what? Even closer than a brother. Now, now we, we need to put ourselves in this context to understand the significance of that statement. This would have been a radical statement for you and me if we had lived back in ancient times. This would have probably thrown a lot of the ancient readers off had they heard or read this. They had a much greater emphasis on the nuclear family than we do today. In fact, that was the most important relationship. And so here's a bold statement saying that there's a friend who is even closer than what that culture would have said is the most important relationship, family. That one could be closer than a brother. Speaking of a consistency that even supersedes that of your own nuclear family. In Proverbs 20. Verse 6, we read this. Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man, who can find? 
We see through God's word that the sweetness of biblical friendship through consistency is not just found in the intimacy shared, the depth of what is shared with one another, but just in as much as it has staying power. It's consistency. And so here's what I just want to make sure you connect on on this mark. This is what I want you to take away for this mark. Consistency within our relationships is the great foundation upon which intimacy and care actually are built on. So think of consistency as this foundation. So the more trustworthy, the more consistent this is, the more trustworthy and the more sound a foundation you will have in your relationships with one another, then get this, right? This is just true. The more sure of a foundation, the more you are willing to add weight to that, aren't you? Consistency is staying power, regardless of the circumstances that surround you and your life. Biblical friendships marked by consistency will withstand the storms that each one of us will face in life. This week may have been a storm for many of you, and a lot of damage was done. But within biblical friendship, they weather those storms, no matter the damage as well. And the final mark of biblical friendship that I want to hit on today is care. See, we need intimacy to be known. We need consistency to be the firm foundation that all of our relationship is built on and can withstand and stand on. But we also need care. So what do we actually do within our friendships? What's supposed to happen? Does God's word help us see what should happen with this? And so if you remember the defining characteristic of of the definition of biblical friendship I shared, it's, it's this. The defining characteristic is to pursue following Jesus, to accomplish his purposes for us. So, okay, that sounds great, Evan. So, so now what? That preaches, pursue Jesus. But here's, here's where the rubber meets the road in one sense. We live in a world that is assaulting that pursuit. It is perpetually assaulting that pursuit. And I don't need to tell you this. You, you can look at the news this week. I'm grateful to be a part of a church this morning that is, that is sensitive and aware to the injustice that is happening in the world today. I, I am grateful that you guys as the church are taking serious the, the, the grief and sorrow and wounds of one another. And that is deep biblical friendship being modeled. You guys are doing that together as a church family. But see, here's the deal. You know this. We are being that pursuit of unity and love and care for one another is always under assault. We live in a pandemic time. The world's been turned upside down. We are, we are isolated from each other in, in so many ways. This is very difficult to do, to pursue Jesus together. But, but wait, there's, there's more. There's more assaulting us. Like, thanks for the pep talk, Ev. But we have an enemy who hates Jesus, and we have an enemy that hates you and me if we Love and follow Jesus too. Because he lies to you and me. He accuses you and me. He tempts you and me daily. And we also have a sin nature. It's like the trifecta, right? The world around us is broken. We have a a powerful enemy that hates us and wants to see us killed. And we also have our own sin nature that we must fight daily to put off. And so, so what is the hope? How does care work itself out in this context, Evan? And I would say that Jesus is our hope. You're like, nice Sunday school answer, bud. I don't know about you, but sometimes I grow really tired of just 
very simple answers. Sometimes simple answers are really good, but sometimes they're just not enough. What does it mean that Jesus is our hope? Care and deep biblical friendship is the answer. Proverbs 27, 5 through 6 tells us this. Better is an open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Friendships. Care and biblical friendships is one of the means of grace upon which we experience care from Jesus in a tangible way. You and me together in relationship provide the hope that Jesus is offering. He is doing that through one another. This text that we just read, coupled with our understanding of intimacy, depth, being fully known, and consistency, shows us that a type of care that is vital and a gift to us. See, in the Proverbs, to be rebuked by someone else, to be rebuked by a friend, listen to this. It's a big word, and it sounds really scary. To be rebuked is to be loved by a friend. We don't like that. I don't like being told I'm wrong about something. I, I, I shudder. I, I, get, I get defensive. But God's word reorients me and you into this way and say, no, 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 actually, a good friend doesn't just tell you what you want to hear. A good friend's actually going to rebuke you because sin is what? Sin's blinding to you and me. It's blind. If I'm blind to something, I can't see it. And we also know my heart wants what it wants, right? There's some terrible songs that are written about that. But the truth is, is man, our hearts are factories that desire to be loved and to seek love. And we can put those in the wrong directions. Our emotions can be powerfully stirred up. And sometimes, listen to this, you guys. Sometimes you and I can actually think we're in line with what God is wanting us to do, and we can be wrong. So we need friends who are going to really encourage us. Who, we need friends who really love us, who really care for us and who know us deeply, who can come in and openly rebuke us. So I have an example from some friends uh, just recently. I have so many, and I, this, this would be probably a couple hours long if I were just to go through this, but, but this is what I said at the beginning. This has been one of the single most deeply impacting things in my faith and in, in love uh, and following Jesus is, is my relationships with other people. And so in this idea of being openly rebuked, there was a situation I was, I was struggling with, and... You know, I was really frustrated, and, and for those who are friends with me, that's just kind of a, a, a consistent theme of Evan's just a discontent dude. He, he, he can always find something that he thinks needs to be better. But, um, and so I'm working on that, and I need help with that. I need to be counterbalanced well in that because it can be good, but I can really get off the mark. And so there was a situation that was going on, and I was really frustrated, and I was really hoping something different would happen. And I, mean, I just wanted to, I got something I was going to respond to that I felt like was kind of, um, not, you know, not done super well. So I was going to kind of respond in kind. And you know what my friends did as I was sharing that? And we were just in a room together and, and, and two of them um, just looked at me and they both, they both said this in the most loving way. They said, Ev, that's petty. And you know what? They were right. And you know what? I felt very strongly that I had been wrong in some ways. I felt like what had been happening was not fair or right. And so, you know, I was just going to respond in a way that kind of made sure, you know, this was, was, was clear to the other party. And yet they said, man, that, that, that is, that's petty. That's not loving the way God has loved you. That's not enduring the way God has endured on your behalf. 
That was an open rebuke that was better than saying, yeah, man, you're right. You should be upset about this and all this kind of stuff. And I would have just responded in a very petty way. And instead, because they loved me and because they stepped out, they said, Evan, stop. Stop, bro. Don't do that. There was another big, deep situation in my life where, again, surprise, I was having a really hard time. And, 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 and deeply, and, and just physically, spiritually, and emotionally, like on all levels, check, check, check. Man, things were rough for me. And I remember I was asking my friend about this this week, and, and I had two friends at one spot who actually like came to where I worked, put me in their car in their parking lot, and just like they'd been doing a bunch of other things, and they just said, hey, man, I know you're in a, on a hard spot right now. And, and, and they just loved me and counseled me. Sometimes they didn't say much, but sometimes they did. And in this specific situation, I was, I was shared, uh, this person shared with me just, hey, man, I, I want to make sure you stand firm here. And here's what I asked him. I said, hey, remember when you did that? I said, hey, what was, what was going on in your head? And this is what he said. This was his experience caring for me in a deep biblical way. And he said this. He goes, man, Ev, you, you were in a storm. And I know in a storm you can't see very far. Can you relate to that? Have you ever been in a storm? Maybe you're in one right now and it's like, man, all I can see is the turmoil and the tumult all going around me. And he said this, he goes, I know you couldn't see. I could see you not being able to see. And yet I wanted to offer you another perspective because I was outside of the storm. And he said, I wanted to tell you some things that were going on outside of the storm that you couldn't see at the moment. And I wanted to help you and I wanted to give you sound, good, godly advice to care for you in the moment, but also to help you stand firm and not to waver and not to falter. We need friends who really love us like that. We need friends who will come in and say, you're wrong here, brother. We need friends to come in and say, hey, I know you're hurting. And they'll stand, they'll come to us physically, will come to us and just give us an injection of encouragement to help us to have courage to stand and face the storms that we're in. And see, here's what I'm trying to articulate here in this understanding of care, what we're supposed to do in our relationships, our biblical friendships, is when we're known and when we're consistently in relationship and conduct, we know that that's going to stand. Here's what happens. My friends can anticipate how I might react to something. What a kindness is that? They can look ahead and say, hey, man, look out for this. I've seen the pattern in your life and I care for you and I want to make sure you don't go down that way. Or when that does come, hey, I want to encourage you. Here's some ways to think about that, asking God to help you. They can remind me of God's love. They can encourage me when I do fail. And they can encourage me in seeking forgiveness for those I've wronged and to be able to forgive those who have wronged me. And see, when our friendships are one that are places that we are really known, they can encourage you and me with the gifts that God has given us. Like, right? Like, and so in turn, this is the thing. We get to do that to the other people as well. We can rebuke other people because we love them and we know them. And we've seen them in real life, what really happens. How are you in regards to your coworkers? How are you when you relate to your neighbors? How do you talk to your children when you're frustrated? How do you talk to your spouse? How do you handle singleness in your own life? Right? Is it in a godly way or is it in a very self, self-focused, right? All of us need friends that are doing this to encourage us, to forgive us, and to push us forward, to use the gifts that God has given us. Why? Because to accomplish the purposes of God's kingdom to go forth and to continue to live life abundantly. See, care isn't just calling out sin. It's also spurring one another on, stirring us up 
to do the good works for God and the glory of Jesus. Hebrews 10, 24 tells us this. Consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. How is that text played out? The only way to know how to stir one another up to love and good works is if you know them. Like you really know them. This isn't a quick hit and a real pat on the back. Hey, add a boy, add a girl. This is a, hey, I know what you're good at. I know what you struggle with. And I'm going to encourage you in those ways because I want to see you grow in your weakness. And I want to continue to see you thrive in your gifts for my good, the good of those around you, because that's how God has made you. What is friendship like when that is occurring on a consistent basis? See, biblical friendships help us to get to know one another so well that here's my thing, that we can learn to be big fans of one another. Like that's been my thing. As I begin to continue to grow in my walk with Jesus, I'm beginning to move from being very prideful and really insecure and seeing other people's gifts as threats to mine and their talents as threats to mine. And instead, I'm being able to start to see the beauty of the image of God in one another and in my friends and in those around me and our church families and our neighbors and in our coworkers. And then, man, it's starting to help me push out and say, man, I want to see these gifts blossom and thrive and take off. And man, because you get to see the joy of the Lord in all of these things when we are all, you know, humming along, and, and we're all in the right places and the right spots using the gifts that God's have given us. See, this is the thing I want to kind of land the plane with a little bit more. Friendships are designed to give God glory. And they give glory through one another, and they give God glory because the works that are done cause us to thank God and to see God and marvel at His goodness in one another. Right, you're looking right here. I'm in a place right now where, where, where Justin is, is running all of this technology stuff. Alan's working some stuff. Nick's been doing, right? Each of these, in just some small ways, you're seeing them give their gifts out of love and relationship and depth of love for you and to seek to minister to you, right? And so you want to keep encouraging those things. They're doing an awesome job loving you in the midst of a really hard time. Right? And so you want to be big fans of one another to go, man, bro, thank you for that. Thanks for letting it easy for me to watch this here, right? Keep fanning that stuff into flame and just see the goodness of God go out as the gospel keeps going. So caring is actually encouraging. And we need encouragement to face the realities that are in front of us. Spur one another on to love and good works. Care for one another. Remember Hebrews 3.13. Exhort everyone daily. It didn't say occasionally. I mean, there is a repetition in friendship that should happen over and over and over again. Daily. Not monthly, not, not even weekly, but daily. Now, I just kind of want to close in this way. Just kind of want to transition a little bit from this because, listen, what I've just talked about, I'm telling you, I've tasted and seen this stuff. I'm speaking from experience that I have actually, I have actually seen and experienced the grace, power, and strength of God in so many ways. And so many ways I haven't even shared with you yet, but in different ways that God has used deep biblical friendship to show himself. And he's amazing. It is amazing how God has wired these things. God is unbelievably kind to you and me to give us this potential in relationship. They're possible and they're necessary. However, I also know, and I would be foolish not to speak to this, that this kind of intentionality inherently brings with serious opportunity 
for being hurt, for being manipulated, and for being betrayed. I, 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 know, I know this. I feel this for you, and I feel this for myself. Some of us are wounded this morning because you did actually do this. You're like, Ev, I did this, man. Some of you have been betrayed by what you thought was a friend. You let them in and you share deep things. You shared shame. You shared and confessed things that you hadn't confessed to someone before. And then you were deeply wounded because they didn't handle that well. Maybe they handled it awfully. Maybe some relationships in the church, in this very local church, have been even brutal. I don't know. I hope not. But I've experienced that within the church. I've been wounded and hurt. But unfortunately, I'm sure I have also been the cause of wounding and hurting myself. That I have caused hurts in other people. So what does all of this say about the goodness of God? You are all, Evan, you're making such a big deal. It's so good. It's so good. Marvel at the goodness of God. So, so how does it work here? How does it work when I've been wounded or I'm deathly afraid of being wounded? If I've been wounded, is all of what you've just said, Evan, is it all in vain now? Is it just like, hey man, tried it, but that train's gone, it left the station, and I'll never taste that again, or maybe ever? Listen, I said at the beginning, biblical friendship isn't merely an end for our enjoyment, yours and my enjoyment, or yours and my satisfaction. Biblical friendship serves this end to accomplish the purposes of God. Don't move past that. To accomplish the purposes of God. See, I would argue this is where the rubber meets the road for all of us. If God created us in His image, then we have the perfect model. His greatest example and His desire for being our friend is what? is that he laid down his life for his friends. So what we get in real life through biblical friendship and even the wounds that we've endured through these type of relationships, what we get in real life and hear this is we can endure the pains. And I'm not saying that we just move on from them, but we can endure the pains, we can endure the sin and the brokenness in our lives, in one another's lives, because, hear this, Jesus is already bearing ours and yours. He is currently bearing the weight of all of those with us. We can, by the Holy Spirit, begin the work of engaging in the messiness and the painful realities of our relationships in this broken world because we don't just have a God who saved us, but we have a God who walks with you and me. He is literally with us. And because He's with us and we have His Holy Spirit indwelling in us, we are empowered so that we can not love out of our own strength. Get this, it's not willing yourself more, but it's, it's we are able to love and care because we are empowered by the Holy Spirit that we might shine the light of the gospel to our friends who have hurt us and to those we have hurt. And that the world sees that in our relationships with one another and how we handle that messiness and the world also watches that. And so I would argue to you, Grace Hill Church, today that the gospel is most powerfully expressed, expressed 
in light of our deep biblical friendships, even the pain. So here's what I just want to close with as the challenge. Who are these people in your life? Do you have these people in your life? Are you one of these people? What does it look like to be biblical friends with one another where we can have deep conversation, not just the fun, not just the dinner, but the deep ones where trust is built over and over again for the depth you plunge into? God, would you encourage us as your people this morning to maybe even just start to nudge our friendships that we already have in ways that are marked by biblical friendship, that intimacy and consistency and care would abound, God. Father, I pray for myself and for those who are listening this morning, God, that you would empower us to maybe endure the places where we are wounded, Lord. We, we, we really are. We're struggling. We've been hurt in these ways, and we don't want to open up again. God, I pray, Lord, would you meet us in our grief and pain in that? And Father, even in the midst of that grief and pain, where we look at you who bore all of the pain and shame that sin brought to this world, that you put on yourself as our perfect friend, and that you laid your life down to carry those for us so that we would not be, have to carry something that would lead us to death and to have to carry things that are far too strong for us to carry on our own. Lord, you knew that, and so it's why you sent Jesus to come. Jesus, I pray that you would build and mark Grace Hill with one of deep biblical friendships with one another that transcend preferences and, and transcend the differences, Lord, but Father, because of the unity in Christ, that Lord, those friendships would either A, begin, or B, Father, those would thrive and grow. Father, for your glory and the good of Herndon and Northern Virginia and this country and around the world, Father, most of all, thank you for Jesus and the hope that we have in him. It's in his name we pray, amen.